Hey, 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 this is Jeff Schechter from the Hip Broadway Revival of Fiddler on the Roof, and you're listening to the Playball Podcast. All the plays, all the drama, actors talk sports. Here's Garth and Sean! Hey, thank you, Shecky. Thanks, Shecky. That's uh, our good friend, uh, Shecky, Jeffrey Schechter. Uh, at Fiddler on the Roof, you can go get tickets there at FiddlerMusical.com at the uh, Broadway Theater. Go see it now. One of the classics, Garth. Full of Jewish people. Y- yes. The show. Much like S- the entertainment industry itself. <laughs> All right. That's, that's where we're going there today. Uh, so, Sean, you know what's Garth. great is I think that it's great that that show celebrates Jews. And it brings up uh, what I wanted to talk to you about today. Oh. Celebration. Of, of everything. Oh, okay. Not just Jewish um, people. No, this goes back to the Super Bowl, which was not not that long ago. No. And one of my biggest disappointments with the Super Bowl, I uh-huh. think it was disappointing for lots of reasons. Mm. But one of my biggest disappointments was the fact that we didn't get to see Cam Newton celebrate. Oh. It was such controversy about him dabbing and giving the ball to fans and dancing and the super, Superman move and all that. And yep. we didn't get to see any of it. I know. It was like watching Jaws without actually finding the shark at the end of the film. There's a sh- oh, spoiler. No, spoiler, spoiler alert. alert. Um, so my question is, this made me start to think about all the years that we've watched uh, celebrations evolve, especially in football. Right. And then thinking to myself, hey. Mm-hmm. Whatever happened to Cool in the Gang? <laughs> Whatever happened to Claw, you know. Um, <laughs> that th- the issue being, you know, is there a place for celebration in sports. And we're going to talk about that today. And in oh. fact, uh, later in the show, we're going to go over to the Schubert Theater. Yes, we will. And we're going to talk to some guys over in the show at Matilda and get uh, their opinion on this stuff. But in the Fun meantime... Fun fact. Yeah. Not about a kangaroo. Really? Not at all. Wow. Something yeah. to celebrate. That's right. So uh, I want to get your take, though, on this on this football celebration thing. Or celebrations in general. Let's talk about football for a second. Okay. Okay. Uh, celebrations. Yes. Do they have a place in the game? Not according to Roger Goodell, they don't. And... Uh, not according to Paul Tagliabue before him, right. and not really even according to Pete Rozelle. What happened with like things like the Fun Bunch? Wasn't and then we 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 got rid of all that, right? I think you have to go back. You know, I think it starts unofficially with Billy White Shoes Johnson, the great Atlanta Falcons Big, wide receiver. He did like the dance in the end zone. He did the great dance in the end zone, and he the spiked knees. the ball. Yes, right. And the white shoes, right? Uh, the, the eponymous white shoes, right? Um, and uh, you know that was. The sincerest form of flattery is imitation, and it got imitated, and then it got sort of expanded upon, and that sort of, I guess, culminated in the fun bunch of the mid-'80s, the Washington Redskins, the mid-to-late-'80s. Right. And, and for uh, those who don't know what the fun bunch was, it yep. was the offensive line, was it, or just a bunch of guys? Oh, no, no, this so was the wide the receivers. Hogs. Those were the Hogs. The Hogs, right? were, yes. They so, had a whole bunch of things going on with right. those uh, Washington Redskins. They'd yeah. score a touchdown, the wide receivers would all gather, and they would do this sort of like one, two, three, and then all jump and high-five. Yeah. Was uh, that it? Yes, yeah, yeah. This, is, this, this fun bunch included the Smurfs. <laughs> this is the hard thing to remember here. Okay. We've got the Hogs on the offensive line. We have the Smurfs, a diminutive wide receiving core, which was topped off by one of the taller wide receivers in the league in Art Monk. Right. He was no Harold Carmichael, but still, what, Garth. What was going on and, with this in that era? <laughs> were, were we that bored? Right, exactly. We All got right. we got pigs, Smurfs, and monks. And um and those five guys would do a a group high five in the end zone. Okay. It started getting flagged. I don't think in the season it began, but in successive seasons, I think the very next season, they, they, they finally started giving it a flag because it was the, the NFL attempted to rule out or outlaw uh, group celebrations in the end zone. Was the problem, because I know there was, there was a whole issue of taunting, but was it, a, was it like a, 
unsportsmanlike sort of taunting issue or was it a this is adding too much time to an already long game issue it was i think adding too much time to the game gotcha there was a taunting uh concern about it right um and i think what started to happen in games was yes defensive backs and linebackers and whoever happened to be in the vicinity from the opposing team would start to get in the way of the fun bunch would would sort of take up residence in the middle of those right. five guys and try and block it so it was there was beginning to be a response to that and then there were beginning to be more celebrations from other teams in response or competition with that and then things got really out of hand with like who was it was it was it who was doing the thing with the sharpie and the goalposts well that's that? that's that's still later oh, we're mean, later that, that's so, chad johnson but okay. before that it really it, i guess the next sort of famous celebration was Icky Woods. Oh, right. The Icky you know, Shuffle. The Icky Shuffle. Right. right. Which was a very charming little fun dance. A little dance to the right, yeah, dance a little, to the left. Yeah, a little dance to the right. uh, Three right. hops and a spike. Okay. And uh, that, again, uh, caught the attention of people who thought it was putting too much individual attention right. on the players. Right. right. And Key and Peel did a, did a sketch on this, they too, did. with the pelvic thrusting. And I guess the question is... Then the struggle became between the NFL, the powers that be, mm-hmm. and the players. And the players were sort of in a position where they were pushing the envelope. And let's see, let's see what I can get away with. What right. dance can I do? What spike, you know, slam dunk over the goalpost thing can I do? Was it that? Was, so it became that sort of a challenge, right? Where the NFL was cracking down on it, and the players were finding ways to do it without getting penalized. Well, it went from no group celebrations oh, to. Okay. You have to only an individual can celebrate. Then the celebrate cannot be a taunt. Then the celebrate cannot use the football as a prop. Really, it sounds to me like this was just football felt like they were losing control and they needed to, to put their foot down and take control. And so they really tightened the screws and made these ridiculous rules. Yeah, this is all part and parcel of professional sports becoming more corporate. And right. less, you know, family and fun based. Right. It is about uh, not offending or at least very much inviting the people who are in the front row of your basketball games and the people who are in the luxury suites of your football right. uh, and uh, baseball games to uh, to enjoy the game without feeling they're getting something cultural shoved in their face. So fast forward then to me, then then they make these rules. And let's bear in mind, too, the penalty was, what, 10 yards on the kickoff or something? Well, I think it was a 15-yard unsportsmanlike conduct. On the kickoff. On the kickoff, Which yes. meant that the next kick was going to go into the end zone exactly. and you get a touchback. Yep. Which now every kick does. Every kick goes, yes. yes. So essentially, you might as well celebrate anyway. But, but then... Then you have Cam Newton. Right? Uh-huh. I mean, I'll even skip over over Ocho Cinco, Chad, yeah, Chad Johnson, yeah. who was, you know, I mean, for those who don't remember, he was pulling sharpies out of the goalpost and autographing footballs. He would run to the center star at Dallas Stadium. That was terrible. That, that was, was terrible. Okay. Yeah. So guys were doing things that those were clearly. Well, it's interesting taunty, because some of those yeah, that, that that Terrell Owens thing that was absolute that was unsportsmanlike conduct. He knew what he was doing in the moment, and that wasn't celebrating. That was he knew he was going to get. And a were they handing out fines as well as then as well as fifteen yard penalties? Yeah, I think repeat offenders. So Johnson and Owens were uh, found letters in their boxes. I think quite a few times. For neither one offenders. of who, neither one of which cared because they were more than happy to do the funny thing and get the press and exactly. pay the fifteen thousand dollars. Yeah, their that, pocket, that was going right? to end up in an endorsement of some kind. Sharpies, for instance, in the Chad Johnson case, right. and and they did outrule finally any celebrations of any kind in the end zone you could do whatever you wanted as long as you were behind the players bench on the other side and that's where chad johnson started doing the hall of fame coats and things like that and costumes on the sideline so here's here's i guess the question i have for you and i i i i used to step back and defend 
players' rights to celebrate in the end zone. I always thought it was a silly thing that they were cl- that they were clamping down on this and penalizing people for doing it. I always right. felt it was sort of ridiculous. Like, let the guys have fun, whatever. It's entertaining. It's yep. fun. But then when I start looking at the fact that every player celebrates every play, every guy that sacks somebody yeah. has to do some big celebration. Every guy that intercepts a pass has to do a celebration or even even just makes a good stop yep. you know, or a good hit. There has to be a huge celebration. Yeah. I can see where they say, so let's cut down on the, on the ones that are even bigger in the end zone um, and get rid of all of that altogether. Right. Well, stop having, stop having fun. I truly do believe that this is a, a response and it's been a building response. You know, this didn't happen in the 70s. You know, it started with Billy White Shoes Johnson celebrating a touchdown, an indisputably celebration worthy play. You know, sure. a, a touchdown in the NFL, particularly in the late 70s and early seven and early 80s, the late 70s and early 80s wasn't a uh, as common a thing as it is in today's NFL, okay. for instance. Sure. Um, and especially a, a passing touchdown, you know, when when a quarterback threw for 25 touchdowns in a season, that was quite an accomplishment. Right. And now it's 50. Right. Uh, and so... So cause for celebration. It was a cause for celebration. What then happened in the NFL uh, and continues to happen is the regimentation of practice, of, you know, spring training or... or uh, training camp baseball versus football uh play calling in basketball and football and hockey there is less individual artistic or uh instinctual contribution encouraged in the game coaches want control general managers want control owners owners want control control. and the last place the players have any form of individual expression is in between the whistles right and or i'm sorry Post whistle, in between the whistle that stopped the play and the in between right. the whistle that starts the play again right. later on, right? And so what you end up with is a bunch of players who have not had an opportunity to really breathe. No, and these guys are, I mean, I don't want to say everybody's hopped up on some sort of testosterone-laden whatever, right. but especially football players, I mean, these guys are just testosterone machines. And they are sort of held down. They're in these OTAs, and they're they're watched every second of Absolutely. their lives. Absolutely. Well, and you, you, you look at somebody, not to interrupt, but uh, you look at somebody like Rex Ryan, do I uh, have to? Well, oh, God. <laughs> choose choose your poison. But well, I'd rather look at him than Rob Ryan. There you go. Yes. Okay. Now you have to look at both because they'll be standing right next Rex to each Ryan other. Rex Ryan with Rob Ryan's line. hair, and it's really disturbing. Go it's, ahead. I'm it, looking at Rex Ryan. Fair enough. Thank oh, you. Oh, God. Vert your eyes. But uh, he's looking at my feet. He's a fine. <laughs> <laughs> he's categorically a and and indisputably a bad coach. A, no, oh. a great defensive coach. Okay. And yet, what became clear this year as the Buffalo Bills head man, yes. he has a very regimented system. What, what seemed like it was all this haphazard blitzing and all that, well, we knew there was a scheme behind it. What we didn't realize was that this Buffalo Bills team that was a top three defense the season before, playing in a, a defense coached by Jim Schwartz, yeah. another good defensive coordinator, uh, became completely at sea playing for Rex Ryan because certain players weren't capable of playing the way Rex Ryan needed them to play right. because they can't play with individual expression. They have to play within this very regimented scheme and that defense fell apart. And now they're going to dismantle what two years ago was one of the top defenses in football, not because the players are bad, but because they don't fit the scheme of the coach anymore. And that is symptomatic of what's going on with the, with the individual in the game. Great. So what I'm understanding you're saying is that because of the – the implementation of control that coaches are trying to have and maintain, mm-hmm. owners, general managers, all that, 
that that the the condemnation of celebration especially end zone celebration all that stuff is part of their just trying to maintain control of the team rather than let individuals uh take control absolutely you know tom brady's celebrated because of what and so is peyton manning Mm -hmm. what metronomes they are in the pocket Every now and then when a play breaks down, they're able to make a play. But most of the time, their plays go like clockwork. Cam Newton, Russell Wilson were vilified because they would not settle to be pocket passers. They've both grown to be pretty good pocket passers, but have also been able to uh, retain a certain form of individual expression and be the kind of scramblers and improvisational players that can succeed in the game. But they are thought to be difficult on their coaches and teammates because they don't play within a set the set rules that everybody else is playing but i guess what's confusing to me is that when the opposite happens and somebody does play i mean robotics the wrong word but they play in that sort of very regimented way Mm -hmm. then they're criticized for like eli eli manning is always criticized for not being a leader and you ask his teammates and they'll Mm -hmm. say absolutely we just don't see it right and we like when someone like Tom Brady, who, as you're saying, is very regimented and plays in a very regimented, controlled way, but we like when he grabs a guy's face mask and yells at him and says, "Get in the game" or whatever. We like that kind of fire. Right. So we like it, but then we then but then we don't when it's celebrating. well, well, yeah, but that's interesting. We're going to talk about Tom Brady doing exactly what you just talked about, right? But we don't like when Cam Newton rips off his imaginary Clark Kent shirt and does that. And what exactly is the difference there? One guy is celebrating individual success. One guy is exhorting a teammate to help him have team or individual success. Well, maybe what helps is if we step away from football. Baseball. Uh Uh-huh. There's not a lot of that celebrating in baseball until there is uh, a a walk-off home run. Uh Uh-huh. Or the end of a game when a pitcher struck somebody out and everybody jumps and throws gloves in the air and runs to the mound and tackles the pitcher. But we don't see any of that, so nothing happens during it. When someone makes a great catch in the game, someone makes some diving great catch, or a, a, a Tory Hunter makes a, yet another leap over the wall catch, we're not seeing the teammates come leaping over the, the railing and, and jumping and lifting them on their shoulders right. in a play in the sixth inning. Right. Uh, well, the players in a baseball game, too, are a lot further away from each other at any given time than a football player. So a high five would take a long time. Yeah, Yeah, you'd have the center fielder running clear across the diamond (laughs) to get to the first baseman. And high five and then run back. Yes, yeah. Talk about slowing down the game. But more specifically, we don't see Torrey Hunter making, again, you know, we've seen him do it a thousand times or what's the other other guy's name on the Angels that's in the center field? Uh, Mike Trout. Oh, I'm sorry, yes. We don't see that guy make some incredible catch and then do the Superman pull a shirt open move. Right, right. But why is that? Why don't why doesn't why don't we see more of that happening in baseball? Well, you know, first of all, in baseball, each individual fielder. If we're going to talk just on the defensive side for a moment, each individual outfielder is involved in about, on average, four or five plays a game. Right fielder one. Yeah, yeah, right. You know, in little league. Uh, yeah, exactly. That's 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 why we played oh, out there, like, right? Play right uh, field. Yeah. Damn it. Uh, um, you know, the, the, the pitcher, the catcher, the first baseman, they're seeing a good amount of action. Everybody else, it's fairly democratic, right? Okay. 
and uh, so you don't what you don't have that tide of emotion that you get from play to play in football, where you might lose out three or four or five or six plays in a row before finally succeeding, or you might have one incremental gain over another incremental gain over the final big play that breaks the the down. Right. I guess then that further confuses me when when Tiger Woods would get criticized for showing emotion on the on the golf course which which arnold palmer had done before right which tom watson had done before which lee trevino had done before gary player you can go through all of even even jack nicholas these were golfers with uh perhaps more reserved or more traditionally acceptable forms of celebration but tiger woods fist bumps were really just or fist pumps were just really Fist pumps. They were. He made a great shot. He yeah, made a great I, putt, or whatever. I, I, I. That's that's one to me that always felt racially motivated. Huh. Uh, that, that makes sense. And I, I guess that was my confusion when all the talk about Cam Newton leading up to the Super Bowl was all about, uh, you know, uh, Peyton Manning doesn't celebrate. He doesn't do that. And but here's Cam Newton. And I'm thinking this isn't a, a race thing. This is an age thing. Right. You right. know, uh, Peyton doesn't doesn't listen to the same music Cam listens to. That's right. And Peyton is an old guy. Right. But also know? Peyton came from and we talked a little about this uh, a different before. time. Yes. Yeah. He's he, a time is... when it was OK to uh, sexually harass trainers. Well, and, there you go. Oh, sorry. It's, I had to bring yes, that up. That, that but yes, yeah, so a topic for another day. We'll have to wait for the courts. But right. came uh, from a different time. Yeah. He came from another time. And that time is not the 80s that time is the 50s and 60s which is when his what his father was brought up in right. and, and Peyton Manning was definitely brought up from the cradle in a 60s 70s sort of Lombardi era right. of football well and here's the last thing i want to say about about this Cam Newton thing and that and that i don't think Cam Newton he doesn't celebrate more than than any of the great wide receivers did well look at Jared Allen the the he just retired a couple of days ago the former defensive end for a whole host of teams uh, most prominently the Minnesota Vikings uh, but uh, and now he just retired as a member of the Carolina Panthers after, okay. the, after the Super Bowl this is a guy who when he sacked a quarterback mimed hog tying a steer right and I it was I forgot a, about that yeah I mean that's that I mean that was a uh, a practiced rehearsed talk about and talk yeah. about white yeah <laughs> no kidding <laughs> you know just redneck celebration <laughs> right. and no one ever said anything about that and there's and you just didn't see it as often from Jared Allen. Why? Because sacks are not as common as first downs are. Yeah, but what's his but also like, because he's not as good a player as Cam Newton, and he didn't have as much reason to celebrate. Right. And, that, and I guess that was my point: is that it's not a race issue; it's a quarterback issue. That quarterbacks don't behave that way. Lots of other defensive guys who are big, thick-headed morons that right. do hog those well, guys. What was the reason? But, I want to get right to the bone on what you think the reason is why why other quarterbacks in the past didn't do that. Because we've had African American quarterbacks in the past. We've had demonstrative, uh, excitable quarterbacks in right. the past. Why was why is Cam Newton different? Well, I think two reasons. I think number one, he was scoring touchdowns left and right. I mean, he has more touchdowns. Than, he was winning first of all, but he was doing things that other quarterbacks don't do. Mm-hmm. You know, look, Doug Williams was a great quarterback, yep. and he won a Super Bowl. And he did he win the Super Bowl? Yep. Yeah, he won the Super Bowl. <laughs> it, was a long, it was a long time ago. The it was in the, over the Broncos. That was in it's the time okay. of Hogs and Smurfs and That's things. Right. But, but, you know, here was a guy, but he was not a running quarterback. He was a, a pocket quarterback right. and a, a, an, an, an amazing gun of an arm. But he wasn't uh, – he was a quiet guy. And played guy. for a great disciplinarian coach at Grambling right. in Eddie Robinson. And he was a quiet guy, and he was a, a very soft-spoken guy, actually. Yep. But he won with his arm, and he won, he won big. 
Cam is an outspoken individual, yeah. and he. But scored, by the way, just let, let me just again not to inter- interrupt. You love but to I, interrupt, but I do. Yeah. Who was he throwing touchdowns to? Doug Art Williams? Monk. The fun bunch. Yeah, right. So his celebrations were sort of taken care of by proxy, <laughs> right? right? For That's him true. to celebrate, he might have. For all we know, he might have been ripping his jersey off and running naked around the field. Right. The cameras were on the fun bunch. We're rolling. Let's go ahead and just uh, say your name. So, so we what? Have it on. What? What is this? Uh, I'm, oh, this I'm is, hearing here. So this yeah. is this is me walking into the Schubert Theater. Uh, went down to Matilda. Gotcha. And uh, and talked to a couple of the guys. Matilda. Uh, in the show. Let's see what they had to say. Well, I think of course. There is a place in sports for um, celebration. Uh, that's the voice of my good friend Jeff Packard, who plays a couple roles in Matilda and also covers the roles of uh, Miss Trunchbull and Mrs. Wormwood. It is entertainment. It is performance. Right. Theatrical. Uh, and it adds a lot to it. I think both sides, whether you're going to admit it or not, both sides of the, that argument like it. The people who are like, oh, they're, you know, just give the ref the ball back and go to, you know, act like you've been there before. Is right. that, that's, that's what my, my father was a football coach and he would always say that, act like you've been there before. Or like, that's what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to sack the quarterback. Right. You did your job. Right. Well, that's my good. favorite is baseball because baseball has a whole thesaurus or a book, a Bible of unwritten rules that's right. never been written down. That is the voice of Michael Manarek, who plays the escape artist in Matilda. He also happens to cover Miss Trunchbull and Mrs. Wormwood. We love baseball. I may speak for Jeff, mm-hmm. too. I adore baseball. And what I like, honestly, about baseball is that you can do whatever you want, but you're going to get it coming to you the next at bat. Like, that's what I actually enjoy. And part of me is like, look, if Terrell Owens wants to be a dick, be a dick because some linebacker is going to take off your freaking head mm-hmm. and you'll be done. So I think you just let the game sort it out. Uh, other people are like, you know, he beamed him the next step bat. I'm like, yeah. I mean, when, when, what's his name? Oh, my favorite pitcher right now, um, Fernandez. Um, Jose Fernandez from the Marlins. His mm-hmm. first at bat, he hit a home run. He sat there for maybe three hours and watched it, and then look walked around. And the third base, he like, spit at the third baseman. Did right. you see that? Yeah. yeah. He spit on the third baseman's feet and got it, and they all started fighting. I was like, he will never. And he even said, I'm never going to do that again. Right. Because I just think the game lets it sort itself out, kind of like capitalism. I like the game just <laughs> lets true. it. There is self policing yeah. in every game. But that- I just want to jump in for just a second. Okay. Michael makes a great point. It'd be wonderful if the game policed itself. That's the, what we're talking about that's the way it used to be right that's what we were about. but then something happened you 1998 wilfred benitez baltimore Orioles reliever drilled tino martinez in the back in a 7-5 ball game after a home run and baseball took that kind of action out of pitchers hands a huge brawl huge brawl spilled into the dugout and it was a really dangerous and ugly incident and at that point baseball decided that they're policing this yes that no longer could pitchers throw it uh, at batters to send a message to everybody else that whatever just happened on the field uh, they they didn't like. Now you have a bunch of guys that are angry with, with each other and no way to vent that. Yeah, let's get back to the Schubert Theater. Sure. So either just do it or don't and the game will police itself and right. the game yeah. will tell That's you right. what the game allows. Well, there's, there is, there it is, right? The game will police itself and in baseball I think it, it does. Definitely. Why don't we just do that in football then? I agree with you. someone would die. I was going to say that. <laughs> football is, someone would absolutely perish. like crazy. It'd be horrible. So. I totally agree. I think it's fascinating and really sort of surprising that we don't see more of the celebration. That, that people are able to rein it in is, in my opinion, much harder to do than uh, the celebrating. Because anybody who's played a sport knows that in the heat of the moment, when you're asked, especially, I can't imagine what professionals right. have to deal with, but when you are asked to do, especially what you're asked to do in football, physically and mentally, 
I ran into uh, Landon Collins at a diner a couple weeks back with my son. Landon what Collins, you're fantastic. He's a uh, he was a rookie uh, strong safety for the Giants. I asked. I was trying to make conversation. I asked him, you know, are you sticking around here after this? He was after the season had ended, and he said, oh, "I've got a couple more weeks here, and then I'm going to uh, Los Angeles to train." He, their life is this stuff. So, you know, I think that's a product of all the time and energy and, and actual. Yeah, well, yeah. Not to mention, like <laughs> these guys, I can't. You're asking these guys to spend their whole life uh, physically preparing for something, right? And then be sedate, um, and then be sedate when they actually achieve it. Are you kidding right. me? If you hit a game-winning home run, the whole team can come out and cry on each other on a walk-off, right? But if you hit a home run in the eighth inning and, and you're now you're leading by three, you better not do any celebrating. There's like specific rules of when you can have these amazing celebrations. Well, Baseball, you don't have anybody showboating. And when they do, there's they a 95 yeah, mile sure, an hour fastball sure. coming Pop at your, your head, head. Sure. or your ribs or your back. <laughs> and you will stop doing a melee because it's, it's fight or flight, right? right. It's a survival thing. I don't want to die. Why does soccer have totally different rules than for celebrity? Yeah, I yeah what I was going to say before you even brought that up was when it takes away from the game flow, okay. then then I feel like the league should rein it in. Yeah, if it's it can't be long. 10 minutes long. Right. And in soccer, it seems to be. You know, well, they score twice a game. I just think that, for me, the, the game will police itself. I, I really believe that. And now that the NFL and the No Fun League has gotten involved... It's it's stupid because I mean what is the what is the elasticity of what is a celebration what is not a celebration I can spike the ball but I can't spike it and then smile on it right like what this what are these stupid yeah. ass rules right. and it, it, uh, along the same lines you gain currency for the fans if you are a Barry Sanders oh, who doesn't yes. who doesn't choose to do that like right. he was one, you know, arguably one of the best right. running backs of all time right right I mean so there is value in not sure right just like there is value in doing it and and people are you know the, I would dare say that the NFL audience on some level is smart to know you know if you are down 30 points and you're the third string defensive end and you sack the quarterback in garbage time and you do this huge like everybody knows that doesn't mean anything yeah so they are going to it is going to reflect either positively or negatively whether or not you choose when you watch Jerry Maguire and that Rod, whatever, whatever, Cuba Gooding Jr., right? Right. It's his agent was like, make sure you're shown, make sure you do this, make sure you... And I feel that's real. I yeah, feel like agents is. are like, when you score a touchdown, celebrate. The cameras are on you. This is a selling point for you to Marketing. get your brand. Yeah, I think it's all about that. I mean, why not? I want to get more... I, mean, I was watching the 30 or the hour and a half long special on the Chicago Bears. After Refrigerator Perry scored one touchdown, he had everything. It was one game. He scored yeah. that one touchdown... And then you had like every sponsor in the world. And I'm sure at the time they were like, oh, I need to market myself. Yeah, I, think, I, think, I think it's also bred now. The younger generation of kids, at least I, when I was growing up, I did the icky shuffle. I knew what, the, I knew what really that was. I would do, I would, yeah. if I caught an interception in backyard football, I would do a Deion Sanders high step. Sure. That would be the thing. So I think these kids, whether they know it or not, they enjoy it. And so they, you know, grow yeah. up wanting to do that. Yeah. What's your, uh, do you have a favorite celebration? My favorite thing ever, I think, was Bo Jackson breaking the bat over his knee or his head. That was amazing. And it wasn't for something good, but it was just one of those snap things where the audience or the crowd or audience (laughs) goes nuts. Yeah. I mean, it is superhuman. That's why. Because you could never do that. Um, My favorite celebration, to be honest, I'm such a jerk. I don't like celebrations. I actually do like the I scored a touchdown, here's the ball. 
I you like it better. I walk away and I'm fine. I love Marshawn Lynch. Marshawn Lynch scored his touchdown, went back, ate some Skittles, and moved on. He's <laughs> yeah. he's doing his job. Every time Jeff just sings an A, is he supposed to be like, yeah, motherfuckers, yeah? I'm not supposed to be, but I, I do. do. Inside. <laughs> Actually, I also like when basketball players will hit a game-winning three. And they'll win, and they'll just stand in the center of the court, being like, "Oh!" And the team rushes and everybody, them. Yeah, I think that's really cool too. Right. Or they'll like stand up. I mean, it's just a. I just get goosebumps. I'm a big nerd. I think that's really cool. I like that a lot. <laughs> Can we all agree though? Can we all agree that we are sick of seeing marathoners um, excessively celebrate? <laughs> like, you just did what arguably five people in the world can do. Are they celebrating? No. Well, I love when they get on the subways afterwards and nobody will get up for them. Have you ever noticed that after a race? People are sitting there and like they come up with a foil and they're like walking around because their legs are concrete and they're like, I'm not getting up. It's my favorite New York thing. Just actually. act like you've been there before. <laughs> yes, well. I could obviously sit and talk to Michael Manarek and Jeff Packard all day about this stuff, but this was in between shows, and I wanted to make sure they had time to, you know, rest up and all that. And I want to get your perspective, Sean, on what your favorite celebration is. Favorite celebration? You know, I'll, I'll, I'll go back to the, uh, to the 90 Bills, the okay. 90, 91 Bills. All right. Uh, Bruce Smith and uh, Cornelius Bennett used to have a, uh, um, a Sanford and Son <laughs> callback. <laughs> Following a sack, they would get together behind the quarterback and okay. pretend to each be having a heart attack. <laughs> okay. And fall over backwards. A little, red, over backwards. little red fox action? Yeah, a little red fox action, which was which but was fun. What I, what I love, and you brought this up about there being a theatrical element, right? Yeah. And that's what I love. I love in football when the guy, you know, when they spin the ball, uh-huh. and then the guy, like, does the six shooters until it falls over. Right. There's the guys that spin the ball and do the, you know, put the hands over it like it's magical and all right. that stuff. Like, I like that. Yeah, like that's quick and it's easy and it's you, you you score a touchdown you get to celebrate a little bit you have a little party yeah but the big bad corporate owner guy doesn't want me to have that's that. right well you know and this it comes down to money it comes down to branding it comes down to uh, your sponsors being comfortable well, with, well look what's going to happen when when we're this much closer now to sponsors uh, being on NFL jerseys right yes yes and NBA are. jerseys we're gonna we're gonna start seeing patches and, and names all over those things like race Just cars like we do in soccer so what happens when when you've got you know your your cam newton and now you have fedex on your right shoulder and you're going to go into your celebration and the people at fedex come to you and go you know we don't like that that's right that's what's going to happen that's absolutely right well that's what the nfl has an eye towards that's uh, this that's that's it in a nutshell well then explain to me why why everyone in soccer is allowed to do a three-act play after they score a goal well you know that- while wearing the you know herbalife or or whoever you know uh, emirates emirates air they're right. wearing these logos but they go out there i swear to god like a three-act play no question about it and well, they're amazing. Right, they do. Well, but the three-act play started on the yellow card that the guy got, you know, or a, a few a few plays before that, you know, rolling all over the field after a guy blew in his ear. You remind me now, uh, in terms of this kind of theatricality, this happened, this is just this year, hot off the presses. Okay. Uh, Monmouth University's basketball team. Right around, right around here somewhere. Yes, yeah, yeah. right, right uh, along the coast of New Jersey. Right, right. Not the players, the second stringers, the third stringers. On the, the bench. And and the, the oh, deep yeah, yeah, yeah. bench. Yes, yes, yes. They were doing, talk about three-act plays. Right. Every game, every timeout, every uh, in-between quarter, they had uh, free throw uh, uh, demonstrations. They had a little something different. That they rehearsed. Choreographed. Rehearsed, right. choreographed. 
they had players, you know, uh, uh, photo ops, uh, and, and I mean like 1800s photo ops where a guy miming that he's under the hood and, and doing the thing. They had guys rowing boats. They had, I mean, just the most extensive, uh, most jubilant, most, uh, without question, most sophomoric and people uh, and people celebration. People look forward to this every game. They yes, would come and they it, it became this. a sports center staple. And of course, what does the NCAA do? They crack down on it because it doesn't represent the student body well. It was creative. It was fun loving. It contributed to the enjoyment of the fans at the game. And once again, somebody in corporate America says that's not our sport. Well, was the fear was the fear that then other teams were going to start doing of course it? Of it was a huge part of the game, right? Yes. And distracting from the action on the court. I guess so, but guess what? This is college basketball. Has anybody watched that recently and celebrated the action on the court? <laughs> college basketball has been bad for 15 years. So this brings us to our newest segment, which is called the Met Minute with C.J. LaRoche, or as you like to call it, Poking the Bear. Poking the Bear. Uh, C.J. LaRoche is the most volatile Mets fan I know. Like, and he's Which so, is saying something. That's true. He's, he's really easy to tee off. So yep. every once in a while, I'll send him like a random text about my thoughts about the Mets, <laughs> who, I, who I really don't like. Uh-huh. And then he'll just call me and leave me angry voicemails. <laughs> so here's, here's what I texted him today. Okay. I said, the Mets middle infield went from worst to, well, a little better than that, but not mm-hmm. by much. Uh, on a side note, the whole infield's a mess, especially with David Wright playing maybe 40 games this year. Bye. Ow. Look. The Mets infield went from an infield that went to the World Series to an infield that's going to be markedly better. Let's talk about the middle for a second. Replacing Daniel Murphy, Ruben Tejada, and Wilmer Flores with Azrubal Cabrera and Neil Walker, that's off the charts improvement. Those guys that I just mentioned can pick the ball up better than Daniel Murphy could ever dream of doing. Plus, you've got 12 to 15 home runs coming from each one of those guys, not to mention at least 60 to 80 RBIs. Not worried about the middle infield. As for the infield as a whole, you've got 30 home runs at first base, and David Wright will play more than 40 games. Last year, the guy didn't know that he was hurt, came back and contributed in a huge way, getting the team to the World Series. We're not worried about him either. Being able to move Wilmer Flores around the infield is going to be a plus for that guy's psyche. Look, this team is not going to remind anybody of the, the big red machine or even the Mets infield of the late 1990s, but they're going to get the job done. Trust. <laughs> I, lo- I love that he just says trust and hangs up. Um, <laughs> You're going to do this to him once a week? Uh, once a week, I'm going to do this to him. I do it all the time to him. Might as well. Might as well okay, fair put enough. him on the air. Plus, he's smoking crack. The infield is going to be dreadful. But you know what? We've got time. We've got plenty of time before baseball starts. Right now, Sean, I want to talk about hockey. Where's Garth and what have you done with it? <laughs> I want to talk about hockey because something happened the other day where somebody scored and like a thousand teddy bears were thrown on the ice. Is this a dream? No, this was, was true. This, this happened. This, happened? this happened, but also we've seen uh, octopi. Yes, we have. Well, that was ice. a tradition in Detroit for years. It was. Yeah. I understand. You know, when that's a hat trick, you you throw your hat. I would never do that because I I like my hat. I know. Well, I think you know it's really quite a thing. Canadians bring bring old extra hats. hats. They bring an extra hat. All right, fair just enough. Just in case. That's and that's that is a uh, that's a leap of faith if ever there was one. Right. That is. I mean, I'm going to pack my hat on the odd chance that one of the guys from my team is going to. Well, that's like me bringing your glove to Yankee Stadium and sitting in the in the upper. <laughs> In the upper deck, knowing a, a ball will never ever get there. Stand corrected. You're, that's exactly right. I'm Everybody does. My it. glove. Fair enough. Um, but in hockey, th- that's pretty much it for celebration, right? A goal happens, and everybody gathers, and they all hug, and they all hit each other on the head with their. There's a new. There's actually something new that's happened in the in recent years. In I don't know celebrations in this. hockey. Yeah. Okay. In, it, and it's not it. 
it's it's really sort of interesting and it it's nice but at the same time i find it to be regimented there is the goal the immediate collection of the five skaters on the ice to pat the guy who scored the goal and like do their little man hug uh you know some usually near the face-off circle and there's the other one where the the guy scores and he goes down well but now that's what happened this is what's new now this is what happens every time every team does this now okay after the post hug the, the guy who scored the goal then leads the five skaters on a on a skate down the, the boards. And they just fist bump and everybody? And they fist bump their whole the team. The whole team does? Yeah, the whole oh, team. Everybody on was... the bench. No, every every oh. player on, on that skates. I thought it was just the guy who scored does it. So everybody the whole, does oh, it. Oh, really? All five guys. So it becomes a team celebration, which I think is a lovely thing in terms of uh, every player on that bench contributing to the moment that happened on the ice. And once, yet, once, once again, hockey shows us just how classy they are. That's right. It, yeah, and it, and it is reminiscent of the post series uh, handshake. Yeah, you line. line up and yeah, that that yeah. only hockey does. Which no, I, but we, you hated when you did that in little league. You hated that because you just got your asses handed to you by some team, and then you have to go shake all of their hands. Good game. Good game. Exactly. Good game, exactly. Good because game, you didn't know game. those guys, and you had, and and you didn't know enough to respect them or what respect was. But right. now these are men professionals the best in their game hugging yeah and and guys who grew up together you know and now oppose each other guys who know each other well and can actually have a moment to congratulate each other for the the competition on the ice and i i just i love that it's my it's my favorite part of any postseason um except if my team well and it looks pretty it looks pretty it's like figure skating yeah yeah a little bit it is but but that but that post goal skate uh uh fist bump also feels like some joy has been taken out of the game somehow that this is now we have now oh you don't like it well i i, I like what it oh, symbolizes oh, I, I don't like what it actually does in practice because you're saying that it's regiment people like it's a requirement now. it is now a requirement gotcha. we, we have now actually we have the play that led to the goal gotcha. and now the post goal play which is designed to have everybody celebrate and then just circle back up for the next face-off at center ice, and it just feels like some some of the improvisatory celebration has been taken out it's of the no game, longer, and I don't think that's It's no longer organic. Now it's just here's the thing we do when we score, and it's that's lost. Right. It. I mean, they can get rid of that then. But I want, I want to get back to the point about the, the, the line that is drawn between celebrating with your team as an individual or whatever and – uh, arrogance and taunting. That's my point. Yeah. Is that what we're doing? We we talk a lot on this show about the poor quality of officiating. True. I think the last thing you or I want, and it's what we're getting right now. But the last thing we want is a referee, an official who is required now to determine the line between celebration oh, and taunting. I see. Okay. And it has gotten to a point where. And this is we see this in the NFL now. Right. There are phantom personal fouls being thrown, where a player is walking off the field, walking off the field, hands right. at his sides, right. and suddenly a flag is thrown because he said the wrong word. Right. Garth, there is language now that is barred from the football field. But that's been baseball forever. Uh, magic, no, 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 no. That's if it's directed on. at an official. No, but there are if mag- a player says oh, just a, in general, in general, to anybody, if a, if he yells it at himself. We this is not what we want, right? No, this we is, don't. This want is not that. what we want, and this is what this sort of thing asks. So now we have a, a an official in a moment of peak between two players that the official is undoubtedly caught up on, caught up in as well, right. having to make a split second decision on what could be a game altering penalty, and for, to my way of thinking, unless it is blatant 
taunting, and that's usually connected with a celebration, unless it is Richard Sherman standing over a guy and screaming down at his face. Right. There's no way to flag that stuff. And you, you can't have a language policeman out on the field who is just listening for the wrong stuff happening. There has to be context involved, and there has to be quite a lot of discretion involved. But again, all of this celebration comes down to control, and, and owners and managers and, right. and coaches and referees wanting to control the game. I think, I think you go the other way and let them, let them control it completely. And let I would say let the, what, let the officials control yeah, it let every, let, let, let football dictate it completely, but make it more interesting. And I think they should let celebrations happen. I agree. But what I would want to do is I would want to have I would want to have judges, <laughs> like Dancing with the Stars. Like That's I would right. have people on the sidelines, and I would have let let them have costumes, make things available to them. That's right. Like put a put a put a trunk and a cost a trunk of props, and a costume rack at the end of each end zone. I like this. And then let whoever scores a touchdown they can grab Tony Saragusa. Just Tony Saragusa the, yes. stands there, hands you a prop and a and a wig and a thing, and you got a hula skirt, and you got to come up with a yes. celebration, and then judges, and that's how we're gonna do extra points from now on. That, I love you're it. You're gonna get one or two. You're gonna get an extra point or no extra point based on your touchdown celebration. Make them more interesting. I'm 100 percent behind. Well, this, this I want is the, the entertainment value. Yeah, and th- this is the truth. That, that that is entertainment value. That's what I want. And, and I want I. To, I personally, on a serious note, I want the players to police the game. Let the players determine what's right and what's wrong. And then, if you don't like that behavior, flag that. You know, if players are going to attack one another over something like that, then then probably that was a a, a flag to be thrown in the celebration. <laughs> and you might get another flag to be thrown on the guy who reacted. And then they're offsetting. But we've made a statement. But let's not pretend. Let's not you know pretend that we're that we're creating decorum. If, if these guys want right. to celebrate. And these guys want to you know. Again, they're out there just pelvic thrust. I mean, like again, I'm going back to the key and peel thing where yeah. the guy did three pelvic thrusts. You can do two pelvic thrusts, That's right. but three pelvic thrusts is a you know a penalty. L- let these guys let off some steam. That's right. Really, it's not. But but let's let's not. But let's not pretend that it's about control. It's about what they did in the NBA, where they said no. players need to wear suits yes. when they're walking, and they can no longer wear track suits. They can no longer wear t-shirts because we're trying to make them look less like thugs that's right and, and less like black players right and so if the point is that we can t- we can mask this by saying they want to have more control and stop taunting and sportsmanship it really comes down to we don't want to be ostentatious and we don't want to let players show emotion in a way that god forbid might actually represent the amount of effort that they're putting in that's right so look uh, i think we both agree that we like players celebrating we do we think it's great as long as it's uh not a uh, uh an arrogant or personal or taunting kind of thing because there's really no room for that in in sports right although. and yet we also stipulate that it's sometimes hard to tell the difference that's true <laughs> um so I, I think yes there is a place for celebration in sports uh my fear is that if we just let everybody celebrate whenever they want to that it, it's going to be a free-for-all and really go crazy i would like to figure out if there's a way for sports to sort of uh, control it, and I think, like I said, my suggestion is let them really control it and have there be <laughs> costumes and props and uh, and judges with those scorecards, like in ice in ice skating, mm-hmm. and, uh, and do it that way and award right. points for best celebration. That's what I would like to see. Right, I support the players policing it themselves. Let Ray Lewis and uh, his fellow club goers decide who uh, who lives or dies. I don't think you want to talk about Ray Lewis deciding who lives and dies. That's that's a fair point. We've that's happened. <laughs> <laughs> Let the players 
celebrate. That's all we're trying to say. But in the meantime, let's thank our good friends over at Matilda the Musical, Jeff Packard and Michael Manarek, and also yeah. celebrating our good Thanks, friend guys. over at the revival of Fiddler on the Roof, Jeff Shecky Schechter, for opening our show today. <sighs> Playball Podcast is a Yes It Is production in association with Laura Haywood Media and part of The Folio Group. For more information and photos and all that fun stuff, you can check us out at playballpodcast.com. Follow us on Twitter at Playball Podcast. And don't forget to head over to iTunes and subscribe so you can get all of your Playball Podcast goodness. Playball! Oh, nice victory dance, but uh, put the shirt back on. 